is over. Is over. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. All right, everyone, welcome to The Binge Buster Show, coming to you this week right here in the studios, uh, right outside the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I am excited uh, we finished up uh, the month of Jan of January, November, uh, and knocking out Starcade. Uh, but in the month of December, we're going to be all over the board. We're going to be talking about all kind of all kind of stuff. Uh, the podcast this week, we're going to be talking WrestleWar '89. Uh, this was a show where Ricky Steamboat was the world champion, defending against Nature Boy Ric Flair. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I want to bring on my co-host this week. I'm talking about none other than Jeff Patton. Jeff, what is going on? Not much, Tony. Just ready for an exciting night of the Binge Buster Show. Man, it's going to be good. Uh, you know, last week was uh, Thanksgiving. We had a double episode of the Binge Buster Show. We had an episode on Wednesday and another one on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, uh, talking Starcade 85, The Gathering, and uh, that was a, a really fun show. Uh, and it, it, it kind of funny, Jeff, we, we, uh, you know, we, we talked about that for a month, you know, at the beginning of November, we both said, uh, and Chris as well, uh, said, uh, you know, definitely Star Kid 85 is, is the best. So we got to save that one for last. And we did. And lo and behold, uh, the, the same week that we dropped our Star Kid 85, a lot of other, uh, podcasts, uh, talked about the same show and a lot of people were posting Starcade 85 matches on Facebook. So, uh, so clearly, you and I and Chris are not the only ones to uh, to feel the same way about Starcade 85. The way it always is, Tony. They're trying to steal our gimmick, man. That's gimmick <laughs> infringement, right there. <laughs> uh, well, so uh, how how was your Thanksgiving? Everything good? Your family and everything? Oh, yeah, real good. Uh, ate too much, like usual, and it was hard to move around after all was done, but uh, I was able to work it off So a few days afterwards. So. Yep, that, that that was the same the, the, the same case. But uh, for me as well, we uh, uh, my family didn't do the, the traditional Thanksgiving. We um, decided to pack up and go to the beach. You know, I always like to travel. So, uh, so. So me and my, my wife and my and uh, two of my kids and um, my in laws we uh, rented a condo uh, at Myrtle Beach and man right there where, where we stayed at it seemed like we were the only ones there which was really cool um, so we didn't have, so we didn't have to worry about you know bumping into anybody uh, of course we went out to uh, instead of having Thanksgiving dinner we went out to a couple places and uh, and uh, enjoyed some I enjoyed some seafood and steak one night and. Uh, then one night we had some chicken, so it was it was it was a fun time. And uh, uh, but now uh, we're uh, back to the uh, recording our show, and we're right here talking about uh, our show this week is uh, Wrestle War '89. Uh, Jeff, one thing about this show that uh, I thought about, but you know, before we get into it, uh, not very often uh, back in the uh, the '80s. Did we ever have a major event 
that Ric Flair was a challenger other than Starcade 83. It seemed like all the other ones, he was always the champion being chased. But here, 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 here we, on this one, we got Ric Flair chasing uh, the title uh, against Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, uh, but I think he was the challenger in 87 as well at Starcade. Oh, yeah, I forgot uh, yeah, about I, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, was very rare to see uh, Ric Flair going into a pay-per-view without being the world heavyweight champion. Yeah, very, <laughs> very odd uh, pairing. But uh, anyway, fans, we're going to get into this podcast right now. We're talking WrestleBore 89 coming up next on the Binge Buster Show. Wrestle War 1989 Music City Showdown was the first Wrestle War pay-per-view produced by World Championship Wrestling under the National Wrestling Alliance banner. It took place on May 7, 1989 from the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee with the main event being Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, defending against Nature Boy Ric Flair with a packed house of 5,200 fans? This is a story coming up next on the Binge Buster Show. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Binge Buster Show. Uh, Wrestle War 89, Jeff. Uh, this match or this show took place in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we're still kind of in the south uh, uh, in wrestling. Um you know, uh, WTBS, Ted Turner had, uh, started, had actually purchased, uh, the NWA and, uh, they're still in the process of changing over. So it's still, uh, it's being called world championship wrestling, but it's, uh, under the NWA banner. Um, but we still have a lot of, uh, your classic NWA, um, uh, wrestlers are on this card. Uh, some of the likes of, uh, uh, sting and, uh, Michael Hayes, Lex Luger, uh, Rick Flair, um, Eddie Gilbert. So a lot of the, uh, normal NWA guys are still there. Um, but, but we are, uh, as we watch this show, we see that we're, uh, definitely in a change. Um, so as, as this show starts off our opening match, uh, it, it will go three minutes, three seconds. Uh, one of my favorite, um, uh, wrestlers, the great Muda with his manager, Gary Hart taking on, Doug Gilbert, the younger brother of Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, as Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert is at ringside. Uh, I think during this match there was a uh, a feud uh, that was brewing between the Great Muda, Sting, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. Uh, Jeff, what what are your memories on this match? Uh, great Muda, man, one of the uh, most underrated uh, wrestlers from back in the day. Uh, uh, a lot of high flying and the the mist. Love the mist, man. He uh, got from his uh, father, Kabuki. And uh, uh, Doug Gilbert, I don't remember a whole lot about him. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, great mood. And, of course, very short match for the opening match of uh, this pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I remember seeing, um, I and I think it was at this one, uh, could be, uh, but um, – Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, uh, I guess Muda had sprayed Missy Hyatt with the mist. Uh, and so, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, it wasn't actually at this show. It was a, at a Clash of Champions. But um, 
But uh, what had happened was uh, Muda had sprayed the mist into Missy Hyatt's face, and so Eddie Gilbert was going to come out and uh, and you know get revenge. And of course, we we always know from you know um, uh, Eddie Gilbert got the nickname Hot Stuff. It wasn't just because he came out to the song, but he would throw fireballs at people. Um, and so during uh, one of the um, uh, exhibition matches, so to speak, that when Muda first came in. Uh, he was going to take on two competitors, and um, anyway, uh, Eddie Gilbert comes out to burn Muda and inadvertently burns one of the um, uh, you know, per, per, the uh, the uh, per preliminary wrestlers. Um, but uh, it was really building this feud up between uh, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, Sting, and Great Muda. Um, but man, uh, you know the Mo- Great Muda. I mean, I can't say. I mean, he was definitely way way beyond his time when he came out and uh you know first time we ever saw the moonsault i think i believe at least for me uh was from the great muda yeah i totally agree um just a great wrestler i guess this was pre the gary hart days when gary hart came in and become his manager or was he his manager at the time yeah yeah he, he was matter of fact gary hart was the one that brought the great muda to uh the nwa uh and and it and it was fitting because you know in the early 80s 83 84 uh gary hart was in mid-atlantic with the great kabuki uh so um so why not uh you know if if, if he had kabuki then um definitely he's gonna bring kabuki's son uh the great muda um but man muda surpassed uh, to my my opinion but any japanese wrestler that's ever came to the united states uh, I don't think any of them could touch the great Muda. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. So moving on, our next match, uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed and Ranger Ross. Uh, they go six minutes, 59 seconds with uh, Butch Reed uh, getting the win. Uh, here, it's, it's evident that, that uh, Jim Crockett has went and purchased um, Mid-South because here we got uh, Butch Reed was a huge star in Mid-South. Uh, now he's trying to find him find his way through the NWA, uh, but I think this match right here against Ranger Ross and, and Jeff, if he remember when they first brought Ranger Ross in, man, they were trying to make him like the NWA Sergeant Slaughter, um, but uh, he just didn't have. I don't know what it was that they uh, tried to tried to you know, put him out there, but I don't I don't think the fans were buying it. No, I don't think so either. And uh, uh, I think I met him one time or or somebody I know met him and said he was a really super guy, but just, uh, yeah, he just didn't get uh, didn't get the ovation that they was hoping for from the, the crowd. So uh, really didn't get much of a push. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, a pretty solid match, six minutes, 59 seconds. Uh, I always liked Butch Reed. Uh, he was a great worker. He had a great body, uh, good talker, uh, just all all around great heel. So uh, so so this match was definitely uh, uh, de- definitely good and 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 put in the right spot. Now moving on, this next match. Oh my goodness, uh, I'm surprised. Like this day and time, I don't think that they would they would have been able to air this match on TV. But it's a bull rope match. Uh, Dirty Dick. Murdoch and um, Bob Orton Jr. Uh, again with Gary Hart. This match goes four minutes fifty four seconds with uh, 
Uh, of course, Dick Murdoch wins, but uh, there was a spot in this match where Bob Orton was hanging uh, Dick Murdoch, like literally lynching him right there on national television on his pay-per-view. Uh, you, you, Jeff, you have, you have memories or thoughts of this? Uh, definitely only four minutes in a bull rope match, man. That is awfully short. I mean, they must have been really pushing for time or something. Uh, because, uh, especially with the, the solid, uh, working capabilities of these two guys and being, um, ring veterans being in the business a long time. And, uh, I always thought Bob Orton was, uh, junior was, uh, underrated. Uh, I don't think he ever really got the, uh, uh, real credit that he was due. Uh, he was always somebody's second man, uh, especially you know, when he was in WWE. But uh, yeah, and Dick Murdoch, man. I mean, there's a guy that uh, crazy as he could be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was he was something else. Uh, but uh, I always liked Dick Murdoch, and and I, I know I've talked about this before on other podcasts, but I had. I was on uh, YouTube one day. I was searching through uh, promos, and I came across a whole bunch of Dick Murdoch promos. And he was on um, WTBS, and this 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 was when he had came back to the NWA around '87, and he had turned on Dusty and joined up with uh, Ivan and uh, uh, Vladimir Pietrov, and uh, him and Ivan Koloff were the United States Tag Team Champions, but. He was out on uh, they they were out on um, WTBS studios and he was cutting a promo and the fans were just giving him down the road and I guess you know in that little setting you know I, I think that they they might have had a hundred people but I don't think they even had a hundred probably more like fifty in there there fifty fans there in the studio and I guess at some point in the, his promo one of the fans must have said something. Um, I don't know, but anyway, he says on national television, shut up, you bunch of kayfabers, and I thought that was the funniest thing ever. Um, and I, I told one of my friends that makes T-shirts, I said, man, one of these days I'm going to get a T-shirt made with Dick Murdoch's face on it, and the back of it is going to say, shut up, you bunch of kayfabers. He said, that, that shirt will sell like hotcakes. I said, yes, it will. So don't nobody steal my shirt out there listening to this podcast. That's going to be mine. I got it copyrighted. But, um, but man, Dick Murdoch, he he was something else, and 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 he could go, and 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 you know this this match this match right here, um, you know, four minutes and fifty four seconds is is one thing, but uh, Jeff, I think you agree with me, and and I'm I'm sure at some point this month we, we we'll, we'll probably cover this show, but um, in nineteen ninety three, uh, WCW uh, had a a new pay review called Slamboree, a Legends reunion. And they would have bring in some of the older guys to come out and do a match. And you remember that? The, the, what I'm talking about, Jeff, it was Dick Murdoch against um, uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniels. And Dick Murdoch does the, the prettiest flying head scissor you've ever seen in your life. And um, I think it was uh, Jesse Ventura. No, is it Jesse Ventura or Bobby Heenan? One of the two commented and said, oh, my God, that was a beautiful flying head scissors. I cannot believe Murdoch got his stomach up that high. I thought that was the greatest thing I've heard. Yeah, that yeah, that really shocked me. I remember watching that and seeing him do a flying head scissors, and I was just like, "Oh, did he just do a flying head scissors?" I, I just couldn't believe it. 
Yeah, it was beautiful. I, I popped. I'm sure everybody else in the building. I'm sure the boys in the back were going nuts. Uh, and I, I was like, man, that was a beautiful head scissor uh, that that he'd done. Um, but uh, man, I, I miss old Dick Murdoch. He was he was a classic for sure. Now, um, moving on to our next match. Um, this is a uh, a tag team uh, match. Goes 11 minutes and two seconds. Uh, the dynamic dudes, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas, taking on the Samoan SWAT team of Fatu and Simu with their manager, Paulie Dangerously. Now, um, a few months earlier, Paulie Dangerously was deep into a feud with the Jim Cornette. Uh, Paulie had his version of the Midnight Express, and Jim Cornette had his version. Uh, and I'm very surprised that on this show that we're not seeing um, you know, something with the, uh, with the midnight express, but I believe at this point they were, uh, looking to leave. Uh, they weren't happy by the way they were being used, but, um, but either, either event, uh, they had a pay-per-view just a, uh, the, I guess the last pay-per-view before this, uh, it was the midnight express versus the original midnight express loser leaves the NWA, um, Dennis Condry, uh, no shows. And because he, he had got wind that that's what they were doing. And so he didn't want to give them the satisfaction of killing off his Midnight Express, so he didn't show up. So they end up putting in uh, Jack Victory in his place. So it kind of took away from that whole feud, just buried the Midnight Express completely, both both teams in my opinion. Um, so uh, so after that happened, uh, Paul E. Uh, has to go out and get a new team, and he gets uh, the SST, uh, Samoan SWAT team. Now, the first time I saw these guys was in World Class, just a few months prior to this, uh, and they were they were insane, uh, and and for them to come to the NWA, I knew that they were definitely going to be a team to be watched. Uh, but the dynamic dudes, not so sure about this team. We got the you know both guys were really never uh, major stars, uh, you know up up until this point, uh, and now they put them in this tag team and making them surfers. But they instead of being surfers, they come out with skateboards. Uh, and they come out to the the uh, the, uh, the fat boys uh, wipeout song, <laughs> so it was kind of comical, really. Um, but it but I saw what they were doing there. They were using these these guys to help turn the Midnight Express. Uh, I'm talking about Stan and Bobby back heels again uh, with Cornette. But uh, 11 minutes two seconds uh, with dynamic dudes going over on this one. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Um. Yeah, you were talking about the uh, the dynamic dudes, how they were never stars. Uh, Johnny Ace was never a star, but Shane Douglas didn't become a star until he went to ECW. Right, yes, what um, I mean. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the Samoan SWAT team, I just never thought they got the push that they so, uh, so rightfully deserved. Um, I don't think they had any, never held any titles. Uh, but uh, again, we're talking about this the Jim Hurd era. So, uh, <laughs> you know, nothing is a surprise because yeah. um, that guy didn't know. You know, I mean, I I still don't understand Ted Turner's philosophy on making a guy that owned a pizza shop to be your head man of a wrestling company. I just it's a head scratcher. Yeah. Well, I I think he I think the 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 key there was he came in and sold himself. Because at one time he was a uh, stage manager uh, for a television station that that had wrestling to the chase. It was like a, a wrestling talk show, 
And I think at the time, Ted Turner was like, okay, I just bought Crockett Promotions. It's it's in the red. I've got to figure out what I can do. And I guess uh, because that TV show was so um, was so um, successful, I think Ted Turner probably thought that the that the 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 success came from Ted from uh, from him. But evidently, it was not him. It was uh, other people involved. But uh, you know, thank God the Jim Hurd era didn't last too long before it killed completely killed uh, WCW. Although it was very close. Um, now the next match I was excited about because, you know, growing up, I was always a, you know, there were, there were three teams, uh, in the eighties that I always marked out for. And I always said, you know, if I ever, if I ever become a wrestler, I'm going to be part of all each each of these teams, you know, and those, those, uh, three teams that I always liked was always the rock and roll express, the midnight express and the fabulous Freebirds. And um, here in 1989, the Freebirds, um, surprisingly, uh, kind of broke up for a bit. Uh, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts were still in uh, world class, and Michael Hayes had came back to the NWA as a as a um, a singles competitor. Uh, and here he um, comes in and um, cuts a beautiful promo, has a beautiful robe. Uh, he's not wearing the the typical freebird uh, rebel flag robe but he's got this beautiful blue and gold robe um but his manager is Hiro Matsuda who uh actually replaced JJ Dillon uh during this time as Rick Flair's um um Matt manager but but here he is with Michael Hayes and he's taking on Lex Luger and surprisingly Michael Hayes defeats Lex Luger turns heel in this match and becomes the um the United States champion uh and defeats Lex Luger. This match goes 16 minutes and 6 seconds and uh this was actually one of my favorite matches on this on this card. Jeff, what what are your memories of Michael Hayes versus Lex Luger? Yell kind of shock and I think I I can't remember um the finish but I do know that uh Michael Hayes was against the ropes and Luger was laying on the mat and Terry Gordy went and pushed him to make it look like he shoved Michael Hayes on top of Lex Luger uh, for the pin, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's how this that, yeah, that's exactly what happened. They uh they 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 uh they collided in a crisscross and Michael Hayes, I believe, hit hit heads with Luger. Uh Luger hits the mat, but Michael Hayes hits the ropes and he's passed on the ropes and Terry Gordy, uh, comes out and pushes Hayes on top. And that was actually Terry Gordy making his return to the NWA and rejoining the Freebirds, Um, uh, because for about a year, uh, the Freebirds were actually against each other and feuded and had matches against each other there in, uh, world-class. So I was excited to, to, to see the Freebirds back together. Cause man, I always thought, Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes had some had such good chemistry together, uh, and they legitimately looked like they just you know one had the other one's back a hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and they were they were definitely heels. I mean, yeah, no doubt about it. Especially Michael Hayes with the way he could uh, talk. Oh yeah, man. I, no, there, 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 there's a few people in, in this world that could cut a promo. Uh, and you believe what they were saying, and Michael Hayes was one of them, man. I, I, I could, I love Michael Hayes promos. 
Um, it, Terry Gordy was a, was a good promo. One of my favorite Terry Gordy promos, and I played this before on the on the Binge Buster show, but it was when um, uh, Terry Gordy, coming from world class, Terry Gordy uh, had a friend, uh, Killer Khan, and Killer Khan, um, uh, you know, he he was from the Orient, and he had uh, turned on Terry Gordy and joined up with Devastation Incorporated, and back then, uh, world class, they they would send Bill Mercer out on um, uh, out, out on locations trying to find these wrestlers to do these promos, and he just so happens to find the Freebirds parked in the parking lot in their custom 1970s, you know, love machine van. And, uh, and so he's talking to, uh, he's talking to Michael Hayes and he's like, well, you know, I want to get a word with Terry. And Michael Hayes is like, no, you don't want to talk to Terry right now. Terry's not, and you know, leave that man alone. He is in a bad mood. And here, uh, Bill, Bill Mercer goes, well, I, I just, I just want to, I, I just want to say one, you know, ask, ask Terry, ask Terry one thing. And he opens up the door of the van and Terry comes out and he's like, don't you put your hand, you know, you know how Terry talked in that, in that real country Chattanooga, Tennessee uh, accent. He said, don't put your hands on my van. And he goes, that van belongs to me. (laughs) And then he goes, if I want to put a dip of snuff in, I'll put a dip of snuff in. And he put a dip of snuff in and he took a bump on the concrete but he cut the most realistic promo I'd ever heard in my life. And, man, I, I always loved the Freebirds. They were just bad dudes. Yeah, they most definitely were. Uh, great, great tag team, great six-man as well with Buddy Roberts. Yeah, they, they were they were definitely the innovators of a lot of things um, in, in, in tag team wrestling and music, you know, wrestlers walk into the ring with music. So um, Freebirds are, are going to be, uh, you know, my top three tag teams of all time. Now, uh, moving on, we have a, a match for the NWA World Television title. This match goes two minutes, two seconds. As the champion, Sting, uh, is taking on the Iron Sheik uh, with Rip Morgan. Um, th- this right here was, was a shocker to me to even see the Iron Sheik in the NWA because he was such a big WWF guy. Uh, but not on top of that, uh, taking on Sting, but this match going only two minutes, 12 seconds. Uh, of course, I know at this point they're really trying to build Sting up, uh, and um, and but the Iron Sheik, <laughs> you know, uh, he, he was a tough guy as well. Um and and I remember during this time was uh my, my dad would bring me to the Greensboro Coliseum and and I remember us coming there one night and seeing the Iron Sheik taking on it had to be around this time but uh he took on Sting and the same it was like the same thing he he got he got beaten like three minutes you know there in Greensboro but Sting and the Iron Sheik what what are your thoughts on this one Jeff? I mean it's sad I mean here's a guy who was former uh. WWF champion or WWWF champion back when it was uh, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, and uh, you know, I mean, here he's at the tail end of his career and uh, pretty much doing jobs in two and three minutes. Uh, you know, just kind of sad, um, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, that's what happens sometimes when they get to the end of their career. 
Yeah, unfortunately. Now, the the next three matches that we're going to talk about, I'm really blown away as far as the number that these matches transpired. Uh, But here we go. So the match that should have been the main event is now the seventh match on the card. Um, Nature Boy Ric Flair uh, taking on the champion for the NWA world title, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This match will go 31 minutes, 37 seconds uh, with Ric Flair uh, clean. Even though Flair's the heel, he beats Steamboat fair and square clean right in the middle. Um, You know, during 1989, uh, Steamboat and Flair had a series of matches that just left you on the edge of your seat. And these guys were going 60, 90 minutes at a time and never doing the same moves twice. Um Man, Jeff, I, I could I could watch Steamboat Flare matches, you know, every day of my life and 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 learn. <laughs> um, uh, so during this time, um, you know, they 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 actually had three big matches. They had this one, uh, they had the one where Steamboat won won the title, and then they had the one where um, Steamboat was a champion on Clash of Champions, two out of three falls. Uh, between those those three, Jeff, which one was your favorite? Um, uh, it would have to be this one. Uh, yeah, mine too. To be honest with you, and I, you know, it was the match of the card. And again, it's like who is booking this stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, because your world title needs to be the main event. Period. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if your world title is being defended, especially when you have, you know, two of the five greatest workers that, you know, performers that that have ever been in the ring. I mean, uh, you know, they have to be the main event. And, I mean, it's just it's a head-scratcher. What are these people thinking that are booking? Um, but uh, it was an unbelievable match. And uh, I think they were getting ready to uh, work uh, Flair in as a, as a baby, if I'm not mistaken, so he could start the his feud with Terry Funk. Yeah, that, um, if yeah, I'm not mistaken, that's, that's exactly. why they, they had the clean pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's exactly what happened here. And I remember um, seeing an interview one time with Steamboat, and Steamboat said that nobody even told him what they were doing. Uh, as far as he knew, he was going to um, you know, drop the world title back to Flair, clean clean pen, and he said he thought that maybe they, were, they would have a few more uh, matches uh, and trade the title off a couple more times. But instead, they um, pretty much buried Steamboat right there. Uh, he got beat fair and square in the middle of the ring. And then uh, Terry Funk, who hadn't wrestled in several years, they pretty much put him right in the spot that Steamboat had. Um, so uh, I, th- I think Steamboat was was uh, maybe not bitter, but, but definitely concerned as far as why that happened. And shortly after this, I think Steamboat went back to the WWF. Um, but uh, let, let's, let's talk for a minute, Jeff, about the finish of this. Uh, we get Flair out there at ringside. He's cutting a promo uh, with uh, Jim Ross. And Terry Funk gets in the ring, and you know, and then they go uh, into this feud, and Flair and uh, Steam, um, Terry Funk ends up, uh, you know, hitting Ric Flair, and for the first time, I think, in the history of, of wrestling that I'd ever witnessed, that, anyways, uh, a man getting piled driven through a table, 
And I remember I've saw interviews before with Ric Flair. He told Terry when Terry told him that he was going to do it. And he's like, what are you kidding me? You're going to kill us both. And he said, Terry Funk said, no, it's going to work. We're going to draw a lot of money with this. Um, and I think they did. Um, but, uh, you know, Jeff, your, your thoughts, I mean, uh, from Steamboat's perspective, how, how, how do you go from being, uh, having three of the best matches on, you know, that, that everybody talks about being the best matches of all time, uh, to all of a sudden, uh, someone who hasn't, who really hadn't had a big, a big run since probably the late, the late seventies, early eighties, uh, it it it, all, it, all, it almost makes you feel like Steamboat, you know, kind of feel like he had a slap in the face. Well, I can just sum it up with two words: Jim Hurd. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, a complete idiot. I mean, if I was sit down and tell you the five worst bookers or people that you know have had a, a share as as far as running a wrestling company. Uh, Jim Hurd would be one of the top five, no doubt about it. Um, but I mean, he just had no clue what he was doing. Uh, and I mean, when you're trying to get Ric Flair, who was one of the, the greatest performers in the history of pro wrestling and trying to turn him into Spartacus, I mean, come on, man. I mean, and what, what he did to, they did to Ricky Steamboat. I mean, it's a, it's a joke. I mean, here's a guy who, uh, like we said before, one of the greatest performers to ever be in the ring, and the, one of the one of the greatest baby faces of all time, and uh, you know, and, and just the okay, you're gone, you're out of here, and uh, yeah. we're gonna push Funk now. I mean, really? I mean, no, no offense, Funk was was good, but he wasn't Ricky Steamboat, right? For sure. I mean, uh, yeah, he, he was a former world world champion, but that was in the seventies. And now here we are almost 20 years later, uh, because this is 1989. We're getting ready to go into the nineties. Um, but, uh, but, but flair and funk, uh, will uh, will will we'll have a pretty good feud to have a, have a nice little run. Uh, of course it finishes off. Um, the blow off is the, um, the, the I quit match that, what that, that didn't even hold a, not even a candle. It didn't hold a flashlight to Magnum and, and, uh, Tully Blanchard's, but, um, any, any event, uh, you know, here, here we are, you know, going into a new feud, a new decade, uh, you know, just a few months later after this, but now, now we're all scratching our head. Cause you're thinking, okay, this is it, you know? And I remember watching this pay-per-view going, wait a minute. I know there was a couple of the matches. Why? And then here we go. Uh, the next match after what should have been the main event, we got the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering taking on the Varsity Club um, uh, for the for the World Tag Team Titles. Uh, and in this match, uh, Nikita Koloff uh, is a special guest referee. Uh, this match will go six minutes six seconds with the Road Warriors uh, defeating the champions, the Varsity Club. Um, and it's almost like uh, when when the Road Warriors won the the tag team titles, uh, the fans didn't even they didn't even care at this point, you know, because the NWA was in such uh, turmoil. Um, and I mean, you think about it. We 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 talk Starcade. Just just think about this for just a minute. Nineteen eighty five, uh, Starcade is drawing ten thousand people. Uh, you know, four years later, 
1989, they barely are drawing 5,000 people. So they're, they got half of what they were drawing, you know, just four years earlier. Um, so, so it's kind of a sad state that the NWA is in at this point. Um, but now to see, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the road warriors, um, you know, become heels and, um, it was, it was just, uh, it was just one of those things where the, the people just didn't really care. Um, then we go from this match, um, well, before we get there, I want to get your opinion. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts of the road warriors finally winning the world tag team titles? Um, it was, uh, long overdue. Uh, they should have won them at Stark 87 in Chicago, but, you know, that didn't happen. But, uh, uh, yeah, um, you know, only six minute match. That's, that's hard to believe. But <laughs> after you had a world title match that went 31 minutes, it was just crazy, crazy booking. Yeah. Um, makes but, no sense. Um, and then I guess the final match, which was their main event, uh, we got hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner with Missy Hyatt, uh, taking on, uh, the other part, the other portion of the varsity club, uh, dangerous Dan Spivey and Kevin Sullivan. Uh, and this match is for the United States tag team titles. Now we got the U S titles as the main event on this show, six minutes, 41 seconds with Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner. Uh, they are the current U.S. Tag Team Champions, and they defeat the challengers of the Varsity Club, Dan Spivey and Kevin Sullivan. Um, man, I don't, I, <laughs> I just can't even uh, fathom the, the booking of this, how they, they put the world title 7th uh, in, and now we've got uh, United States Tag Titles where there's really not even no feud going on there. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Kevin Sullivan and Dan Spivey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh I'm sorry, that's just not a main event, man. I mean that might be a main event in like a you know, a town where they used to do T V taping, you know. I mean that, but man, a main event at a pay per view is uh, yeah, again, just terrible booking. I mean it's no wonder they were going downhill. Um, and you know, it's just like who's running this show? I mean, it's just crazy, but uh, and I mean, you think about it, I mean, they still had a lot of talent on their roster. I mean, they had a young Rick Steiner, they had a young Sting, um, Luger was was still getting over. Uh, you had Michael Hayes, you had the Road Warriors, you had Rick Flair, Rick Steamboat, and only draw 5,000 fans. Uh, you know, in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a huge wrestling town. From, yeah, which is, and then it's not too far from North Carolina, which you could get people that go to Greensboro and Charlotte would drive to Nashville to see the pay per view. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe that they only drew 5,000 fans. Yeah, that was, that was that, that, that was the biggest shock to me as well. Um, but all in all, I, you know, if 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 we're gonna pick uh, the uh, top two matches on this card, uh, it's definitely gonna be Michael Hayes and Luger and Flair and Steamboat. That 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 those those two are my picks. Um, you know, <laughs> it is it is what it is. 
but the good thing is next week's podcast we're gonna have uh, definitely a uh, have a lot a lot of fun uh, and I know this th- this next show that we're gonna talk about on the next uh, podcast uh, I remember when I heard the show was coming I was like oh man I can't wait to see this and uh, you, you and I had just met just a, a, a well actually actually uh, I don't think that, that you and I had quite met yet uh, maybe a month out or something but um, but next week's podcast fans, we're going to be talking Slamboree 93, a legends reunion coming to you from the, uh, the Omni in Atlanta, um, with, uh, uh, you know, I'm excited about this one because we, we, we get to see a lot of great matches. Um, and we get to see, uh, one of the matches that, that I thought this, this, this was going to be the one. Uh, for the NWA World Champion, uh, the champion Barry Windham taking on a former Horseman partner and Arn Anderson, uh, and Arn Anderson as a babyface <laughs> really, really got me on this one. Um, but but we got a ton of matches to talk about on this one. Jeff, what what are your thoughts on next week's podcast? Sounds like it's going to be a blast. Can't wait to uh, do that one, and uh, I'll be doing my research to find out what all. Uh, what all uh, happened on this event? Yeah, I, I I remember when 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 this one first came out, I was so excited because I you know I, I'm always one with the uh, about the old guys. I mean, I say old guys, I don't call them old, but you know the, the legends. And I think that that when WCW came out with this, this this was definitely a great way to to pay homage and pay respect to the ones that paved the way uh, for everyone else. Um, so that's coming up next week. Uh, fans, Chris isn't with us this week. He's on location working on some stuff for the Binge Buster show, but he'll be back next week, and he and I and Jeff will be talking um, Slamboree 93. Uh, and also, um, my favorite match, i try, try not to let the cat out of the bag, but my favorite match uh, on the on next week's show uh, is going to be a, a cage match. Hollywood Blondes, uh, Brian Pillman, and Steve Austin uh taking on dos hombres and we, we we later find out that it's ricky steamboat and tom zinc but the fans are led to believe that it's ricky steamboat and uh shane douglas but uh we'll get out we'll get into that next week on the binge buster show chris, um, chris will be back next week jeff you have anything uh before we go off the air today uh no wrestle war was a, was a pretty good event um i mean yeah I give it uh, maybe a, a a six out of ten just because of the Flair Steamboat match. Yeah, <laughs> that gets that gets fair. five out of ten right there for you. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the show is kind of just, eh, you know, nothing really spectacular. You know, maybe Luger and Hayes, Michael Hayes, but uh, you know, the rest of it was just, uh, it was just um, matches kind of thrown together. Yep, for sure. Unfortunately. Well, fans, thank you for joining us this week on the Bench Buster Show, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, Until then, uh, I'm Tony Bench for Jeff Patton. We'll see you next week on the Bench Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Bench Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.